Before we get started, Dead and Married would like to thank those very close to our Dead Black Hearts, our patrons. Thank you to William Rush, Karima Rhodes, my best friend and fellow Tom Atkins lover, Gary Horton, Carissa. Jonathan says thank you. Dr. Sexy himself, Kent Morton. Oh yeah. Kate Lamp, Travis's cowgirl, Lala Thomas. Hey girl. And last but certainly not least, our friends over at the Podmortem Podcast. You can also check out their very own show every Monday on all major platforms. And now, on with the show. Warning, the following show features spoilers and opinions performed either by professionals or under the supervision of professionals. Accordingly, Dead and Married and the producers must insist that no one attempt to recreate or reenact any opinion or fuckery performed on this show. Hello guys, welcome to another episode of Dead and Married. I'm your host Ashley. And I'm Travis. And today is my pick, and we are talking, what year? 1995, right? 1995. <laughs> 1995's Tales from the Crypt presents Demon Knight. This is one of my favorite films. Uh, we, Travis and I, if you don't know this, we have been on our Patreon doing a one of our side shows is uh, Dead Time Stories, where we talk about... Well, we basically go through all the episodes of Tales from the Crypt, and I kept telling him, like, I can't wait to get to the movie. I can't wait to get to the movie. I fucking love that movie. And so it just dawned on me, why the fuck not? Who who says we have to save it for that show? I mean, this is the main channel, so I'm, I'm rambling. <laughs> so, Travis, technical guy, roll that beautiful bean footage. <laughs> <laughs> why do you remember that? Why... <laughs> Why did I remember the jingle for Coulter's Barbecue? I don't know. Here's been like a, a commercial for one of those places on television since I was like eight years old. Yeah. I thought they were out of business. Yeah. I drove by one the other day and all of a sudden it came back to me, the fucking commercial. <laughs> I'm not going to sing the song though. Please, yeah, please don't sing the song. It was, it was bad. <laughs> like you instantly remember it. Yeah. Well, I didn't because I don't. Well, you didn't, but I yeah. did. You didn't live in this area then. Yeah, no, I didn't. So, but yeah, weird how that shit just pops back up. Yeah. Anyway, so <laughs> this one has a 37% on Rotten Tomatoes. That's a fucking travesty. That's got to just be wrong. Uh, 6.7 out of 10 on IMDb and 48% on Metacritic, which means there are a lot of really wrong people out a there. A lot of really wrong people. How can you not like this movie? Like, seriously, how can you not? I don't know. I don't know what it is that they are seeing that they would rate it that low. Like, going through this and just kind of like picking out all the things that I like about it and what they did... On a technical level, like it, it doesn't get the credit that it deserves. Yeah. Well, I mean, I'm, I don't know. I've got phenomenally low standards, so I don't. Well, okay. Here's the <laughs> maybe thing. my opinion's not that to be to be shitty for just a moment. If you're talking about like Bordello of Blood, which I also love, to be fair, I would say there's a night and day difference between those two films in terms of quality and stuff. And I I really think that what was done with this one d- deserves a second chance from people. I really do. I think that Bordello of Blood, I, and I do I do like that movie. But it's basically softcore porn with vampires in it. <laughs> so uh, right. I wouldn't go that far. <laughs> it's there's it's, titties, but there's it's no. Just, it's a lot of boobs. Yeah, that's that whole movie. Um, all right, so this one was directed by Ernest R. Dickerson. Mm-hmm. Rainy bells. Yes. Okay. Um. Well, I he's he's done a lot of TV work, but in terms of film, um, I know him from doing the movie Bones with Snoop Dogg, which I also like. Is that it? Yeah. Okay. <laughs> it was written by Ethan Rife. Probably getting that wrong. Cyrus Voris and Mark Bishop starring Billy Zane as the collector. And 
He's he is so much better than I we, think I ever gave him credit for. Yeah, we're we're gonna give we're gonna yeah we're gonna talk about him a lot. <laughs> William Sadler plays Breaker. We're our, gonna talk about him a lot too. Primary protagonist Jada Pinkett Smith is Jerryline Jerryline Jerryline. They say her name a couple of different ways. Yeah. Brenda Backey plays Cordelia. CCH Pounder plays Irene. I did not realize like she looks familiar. She looked familiar. I didn't realize how much shit she's been in. Oh yeah. Her yeah. filmography is impressive. And Most she's of a badass. It, most of it's television, but she's done a ton of voiceover work for cartoons and video games, and she stayed busy. Uh, Dick Miller plays Uncle Willie. The legend. Thomas Hayden Church plays Lowell. I mean, Roach. <laughs> He'll always be Lowell to me. Right. John Shuck plays Sheriff Tupper. Now, I've seen him in a lot of stuff. I've seen that guy before. Oh, come on. He's got a face like Ron Perlman. I mean, he, he kind of stands out. <laughs> Anyway, Charles Fleischer, same thing. He plays Wally Enfield. Roger Rabbit. Yeah, I did not know that mm-hmm. until you told me that. He's yeah. another one. He's got a pretty distinctive look. Mm-hmm. I'm like, God damn, I've seen that guy before. Would have never thought of him as being Roger Rabbit. Like, you wouldn't watch him in this and then think, oh, yeah, yeah, that's Roger Rabbit. Well, somebody probably looks at him and says, oh, yeah, that's a sleep doctor in Nightmare on Elm Street. But I know him as Roger Rabbit, so. Probably, yeah. probably. And... That really does it for most of the cast, your, your primary cast. Right. There's a few uh, sort of side characters in there. They just sort of kind of pop in and they're gone again. Yeah. Yeah. Sherry Rose is one of those. She has a kind of blink and you'll miss it part as the wife of the owner of the diner that Roach works at. And the only reason I bring her up is because she was in a couple of episodes of the show. Some, some a couple of pretty good episodes. Yeah. It's, in Top Cast, actually, it lists all the party babes as part of the Top Cast. <laughs> even though they're only in it for like wow. 30 seconds. <laughs> uh, probably because Tracy Bingham was one of the party babies. Wasn't she a singer in the 90s? I doesn't ring a bell. Or something like that. Doesn't ring I a bell. I think she was. Anyway. I think you don't know names. I think you're right. We know this. <laughs> We've established this. So the special effects, we've got two different ones here. Mm-hmm. One that you saw. Todd Masters. Was Todd Masters. And I know his work from uh, Nightmare on Elm Street also. Not not the original, of course. Um, I think it might have been Dream Master that he worked on. Anyway, guy, guy does great work. Yeah, but when you look at IMDb, the special effects dream child i'm sorry there you go dream child i knew you'd get there <laughs> is all credited to uh, kevin yeager and his crew mm-hmm, mm-hmm. so i wonder why it's different i don't know no telling i mean you get a lot of these films where there's multiple guys because there's different parts that they work on you know like somebody does makeup effects somebody does uh special effects you know yeah, there's well, puppeteers I think, I think masters is actually credited as visual effects yeah so i mean i, I know that he did other stuff besides that but right that that's you know thanks to documentaries right so anyway that just about does it for the technicals <laughs> travis is he's he's struggling to get through this that, that went on too long <laughs> it really did because you're talking that was like just getting this. Well, we're having a discussion that's, that's <laughs> this whole that's the whole thing that's what we do but yeah it went on awkwardly long so and he's always tired i am always tired okay anyway so i did that grace right <laughs> So let's move you on. You that grace your bitch. Yeah, so let's move on to First Watch Memories before I can make it any worse. <laughs> do you, what do you remember the first time you watched this movie? I don't, if I'm being entirely fair, I, I sincerely don't remember the first time I watched this movie. I don't either. But so. you know why? I think it's because I saw the uh, the movie with Billy Zane where he put on the purple jumpsuit and he was like some oh kind God. of superhero. <laughs> Do you remember that? The Phantom, yes. Yeah, and I was not interested in watching the movie with him in it. Oh my gosh. 
Boy, did I miss! I watched the wrong wrong kid died. I watched the first. I watched the wrong movie first. Uh, I think my first Billy Zane movie was probably Critters when he still had hair. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Okay. I never did see the Phantom. I just I remember thinking he was cute. <laughs> I don't. I don't even know why I watched the Phantom because I was a kid. And I make you make bad choices when you're <laughs> when you're a kid. Um, but I'm pretty sure he was already bald there. Yeah. So, funny story, by the time they got around to Demonite, he had already lost his hair. Like, he just decided, fuck it, I'm going to shave it off and just embrace the bald. So, when he went in for this movie, he brought in a briefcase full of toupees and was like, what do you guys want me to wear? And they were like, no, man, the bald head's great, go with that. Like... (laughs) Well, he's one of those guys that can pull off bald. He really can. I mean, it, it works for him. It really does. I yeah. have a feeling that I would just look like Charlie Brown. You would. Your head's too round. Yes. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It would look like I would just had a big bowling ball on my shoulders or something. Yeah, pretty much. <laughs> so it's not in the cards for me, but it looks good on him. Yeah, yeah. And let, let's let be fair. Everything that works about this movie is probably 80% him. Uh, Maybe 70. I don't, I don't know that I agree with that necessarily. I'd go, whew, damn, probably 89%. Really? Yeah. Wow. Not giving Sadler much credit there. And he's the really other good thing about this movie. He is the other good thing about this movie. But he, he plays it very straight very serious mm-hmm. um and i'm a giggly bitch so yeah if you don't make me laugh i'm not gonna watch it right he doesn't really make me laugh no but, but billy zane makes me laugh i love bill sadler like he every time he pops up in something i'm like oh it's that guy you know i i've been watching him since i was a little kid we were talking about this the other day i was like you realize we've been watching bill sadler since we were kids yeah you know my favorite bill sadler as the reaper in bill and ted's bonus right. journey yeah, I think that's the first thing I ever saw him in also. And he's awesome in that. Yeah, and then... I love watching him dressed as the Reaper playing Twister. It's awesome. <laughs> and then going through in uh, Disturbing Behavior, and then, of course, Demonite, and then um, The Mist. Like, I've been, yeah, been watching him in my entire life, and I just, I get so excited every time he pops yeah. up in something. Yeah, but I guess my point is, this movie just would not be the same without Billy Zane in it. It would not, no. It would, they could have seriously miscast that mm-hmm. and it would take it from a what i think is a great movie to one that's just not good at all right it would be i think it would be mediocre mediocre i can't talk mediocre well it would become a very serious movie right and i just don't feel like tales for the crypt is built to be all serious no 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 part of the fun of tales from the crypt and i i can talk about its history a little bit just because uh we've gone into that in the patreon channel but not on here um anybody who is a kid that of the 80s and 90s grew up with tales from the crypt it was i i was not fortunate enough to get to watch it uh on hbo but it went into syndication at some point and it would come on saturday nights on fox at like a 10, 10, 11 o'clock at night. And it was the thing that you did. You would stay up every Saturday night to watch that. Or you were at a sleepover and you were watching it at a friend's house. I've got so many stories and memories from growing up watching that. And part of the fun of that show is that, yes, it can be very scary. But it's also so campy and silly and over the top that you have as equal laughs as you do scares. Yeah, and I think that's that's kind of the point is that he brings the humor 
which makes it what you expect from a Tales from the Crypt production. Yes. If you take the take the, the laughs out of it, then it's not Tales from the Crypt anymore. Right. Now, having said that, and I know we've discussed this before, this does not follow a normal Tales from the Crypt format. Right, right, Because right. it does not have a morality tale. Right. And this, all the, the TV shows, they all did. Right. This is more of a hero's journey type of piece than uh, somebody who... Learns a lesson. Yeah. Yeah. So speaking of that, we can just segue into the story piece. Okay. Because that's kind of where you're going anyway. Yeah. Right. So what do you think about the story overall? I like it. <laughs> I like it. No, it's it's good. I feel like it, it flows pretty well. Um, It's short. They managed to take... What is essentially, what, nine hours? About a nine-hour period. I mean, you go from them, the car chase, mm-hmm. right, um, to just the following morning. But it's already dark during the car chase. So, I mean, you're probably you're probably looking at less than a 12-hour period here. Oh, yeah. I, so, I would say it's probably closer to a few hours. But. Yeah. And I don't know. I feel like it, it, it flows well. It's, I don't know. If, I wouldn't say it's believable. I mean, they, they do bring a lot of... Uh, uh, what, do you, what would you call it? It's based on a, like, you've got Christian philosophy in here, sort of, mm-hmm. I guess. That's sort of the, the root, I guess, of the movie, is that uh, Breaker's carrying around this golden flask full of the blood of Christ, and he's a protector of some kind mm-hmm. for that. And then uh, Billy Zane plays the collector, who is trying to get it. It's like the seventh key to unlock the gates of hell or something. So, anyway, I mean, that's the premise. It works. It works. How about you? I I guess the thing that I love about it is its simplicity. You know, how do I how do I articulate this? For what it is, there's actually not a lot that goes on, really. I mean, you're you're in one location, you got one group of people, and you really don't have I mean, as exciting as it is, you know, it's not I don't know how to explain that. It's just not got all this huge shit that happens. It doesn't have some huge thing. It's just fun. It's just a fun thing. Yeah. No, I mean, they're, they're, they're dealing with a, a large concept, I guess, end of the mm-hmm. world type stuff. Right. But the story itself is very straightforward. Mm-hmm. Um, you don't have a lot of side plots, but the few side plots or whatever that they do have, they wrap them all up. They don't really leave any loose ends there. Well, I mean, well, no, so not just, necessarily. It's just that those characters die. So. Well, no, what I mean, okay. So if you think about uh, the the post office guy, right? When you first introduced to him, he's crying uh, about getting getting fired, mm-hmm. and he's saying something about you know they're, they're saying that he lost the mail, and then by the end of the he movie, was you find out the mail, he yeah. was stealing the yeah. mail, and he was planning on shooting up the post office, right? So I mean, yeah, he that, was going to go all hinkle on that yeah, shit. They wrap that shit up. Uh, Roach is a horrible character from the very beginning. <laughs> well, that's debatable. <laughs> right. And he gets his comeuppance at the end. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, CCH Pounder, her character, she, like, they, they end everyone. You know? Right. Mm-hmm. Um, Uncle Willie, he's an alcoholic. And then, like, his fantasy thing is topless women and alcohol, and he, he gets it. So right. I guess that's what, it, maybe they didn't wrap up the story, like, the conclusion you were looking for, but there's not, you don't get to the end of it and you're like, oh, what happened to this? Or what happened with this? this other thing that was going on because it's all over mm-hmm. at the end. Right. So I, I like that. It's nice and neat. Keeps it simple for me. And the difference is also is that every story in Tales from the Crypt is obviously based off stories from the EC comic. And this film was an original idea. It was not based on anything that had been written previously. So that being said, I, I don't know that it's entirely original because I felt a lot of 
the same beats from Evil Dead. Uh, there were a lot of similarities there, I felt like. But in a more campy, fun way than the original Evil Dead is. Because the original Evil Dead's played pretty straight. Yeah. Well, I mean, if you take Billy Zane out of it, it's basically Evil Dead mm -hmm. with uh, Sadler playing Bruce Campbell's character. Right. Just without the humor. Right. I mean, yeah, you've got people trapped in one location, getting attacked possessed. by and possessed by demons. Mm -hmm. And then there's one survivor. Right. Only in this one, it, it wouldn't be Bruce Campbell. It would be one of the other ones. It mm -hmm. wasn't Sadler. It was Smith. Yeah. So, so, so yeah, it's, it, it's a really simple story, uh, basically about this guy who's trying to find his successor in fighting demons. Yeah. I do like the line though, where she, Jada Pinkett is, I keep forgetting her name in the movie. Geraldine. Geraldine. That's why I keep forgetting it. <laughs> she's, you know, she's walking downstairs and she's looking for Mr. Smith. She, she found him. <laughs> she found herself in Mr. Smith. He was in Bel Air. I don't know. It's, it's interesting. Cause they were, I don't think they were married at the time, were they? No, 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 not so. to my knowledge. I think this was kind of on the heels of, um, oh, fuck, what is that movie? Fuck, I just watched it like two weeks ago. Bad Boys? <laughs> uh, Menace to Society. I think this was kind of on the heels of that film, which is a, a great film, even though I forgot the name. But, oh, okay. But yeah, Ernest Dickerson had seen her performance in that and kind of wanted her for this part. Okay. So, and I think that she's absolutely terrific in it. You know, people have had their opinions about her behavior in the last few years. But if, if you're looking in terms of the character she played in this film, I think she did a terrific job. I think people get too tied up. In with, the personal lives of celebrities? In the personal lives of celebrities. <laughs> yeah, it's right? kind of messed up. <laughs> I mean... Okay, well, we went out, we went to a ramen place to eat today, mm -hmm. and the waitress she she was fine. She did a good job. I I don't here's I just bear with me here. I'm going to judge that person based on how well she performed her job, right? Mm -hmm. I really don't care what she does outside of that, right? I don't care what Jada Pinkett Smith does when she's not on screen, mm -hmm. as long as she shows up and does her job, right? That is the part that, as the viewer, concerns me. Mm -hmm. Does that make sense? Yes. Yes. Like. I don't know. You don't you don't take your car to a mechanic and wonder what he does in his personal life as long as he fixes your fucking car. Right. So, I don't know. I just that whole people getting really tied up in the lives of celebrities like it's not your business. Yeah. <laughs> it doesn't matter. If they're not hurting somebody, I don't give a shit. <laughs> so, just be a good actor. But anyway, I'll get off my soapbox. Uh, I think you're probably better equipped to give the synopsis of this film. I mean, I, I kind of already said it. Like, you basically have this guy. You already said it. We've already told the we synopsis. We already talked yeah, we about Yeah, we did. It. We didn't talk about that Filter is playing during the car chase at the very beginning. The, yeah. Yeah. We, when we get to the sound or the score part, yeah, we'll definitely have to bring that up. But it, it starts off with action. And I feel like the action, pre, I mean, it takes off pretty fast. I will say that it does lull just a bit in the middle because there there is kind of a time when they're like taking breaks and, you know, the action has died down a little bit where it does drag maybe a little, but they instantly pick it back up. And I think part of what keeps it from getting boring is that the story is compelling enough between, you know, even when they're not fighting demons, there's enough going on dialogue wise that you stay yeah. interested, invested. I would say there's there's probably a few middle parts where it slows down because you after the car chase and then he ends up at the hotel and then shortly thereafter the police show up, but there's either a lot of action or there's funny shit mm -hmm. happening. Mm -hmm. 
Um, but kind of after Zane gets there and does his thing and he gets him out and seals off the doors with the blood, I feel like from there almost all the way until you get sort of to the end game, it's sort of, it's, it's got a lot, there's a lot of hills and valleys there, mm-hmm. um, where it slows down a lot because there's a huge chunk of there where Zane's not in it and th- then all the comedy goes away. And I guess you're doing some character development, like with the postman and the, okay, they call her a prostitute in, in the film. Mm-hmm. So do I still say sex worker? <laughs> oh my God. Yes. You say sex worker. <laughs> Even though that's what that's what, well, actually they refer to her as worse than that in the, in the yes film. the yes the yes they do anyway like there's a whole relationship thing with them and it it's supposed to be for character development which you find out at the end of the movie it doesn't matter because they're all dead anyway but right mm-hmm. but uh, but it's nice that they tried to flesh them out a little bit and give them something well I think they just tried to make some of them they tried to humanize them a little bit mm-hmm. to get you to sort of buy into each one of these individual characters or care about them at least a little bit before they murdered them or you hate them yeah 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 we're gonna get, make you feel something about this individual mm-hmm. uh, before we take them out right which I can kind of appreciate that but it did sort of slow the movie down in that space because there's really not a lot not a lot actually going on there well, yeah that's what I was saying like yeah. it like it, there's not a whole lot that happens outside of just kind of surviving the night yeah but it really doesn't crank back up again until wow even once they get inside the boundary you know after they go into the tunnel and then it chases them back in and and all that stuff you, you still you've got that standoff where they're on the staircase yeah they're, i mean they're they're basically just getting getting picked off one yeah. by one so it's sort of that waiting game business but mm-hmm. i still feel like the payoff at the end the ending was was suitable it was good uh mm-hmm. breaker had his hero's death and uh jerry lee took on the mantle unwillingly but Geraldine. Jerlene. You said Jerry I'm not going to say it right ever. <laughs> it's easier for I just call her Smith. Um, but yeah, she takes on the mantle unwillingly, but she does take it on. Yeah. So you get sort of the passing of the torch there. Yeah. And I, I enjoy that even though that this is a film, they still did the wraparound segments like it was just an extra long episode of the show. I love that we have our original opening credits, you know, with Danny Elfman's iconic score uh, or iconic theme rather. And the Crypt Keeper giving his intro and, and he's on point in this one. I, I love the bit at the beginning where they bring in you it's it's setting up like they're just doing a regular episode you know like there's a big boobied woman in the bathtub and you know this monster comes up to kill her like these are all the things you expect from a tales from the crypt episode the woman killed her husband therefore she's getting her comeuppance that was just standard tales from the crypt lore which i thought was great and then you know you find out that this is a film and and john larroquette's our monster which he was great um, he, he had such a dry humor in the way he delivered his lines and, you know, where they dig this guy up and, uh, Why, yes, as a matter of fact, I do. <laughs> yeah. And the Crypt Keeper giving his one liners and his little puns and it, it, it was all just great. I mean, I can recite his entire dialogue from the beginning, which I did. And I always feel like an idiot when I do that because I'm sitting there line after line and everybody's looking at me like, oh my God, mom, shut up. And I'm like, I can't help it. I love this part of the movie so much. And at the end of the film, they, he turns around and he wraps it up in a nice little bow and then you end up with the end credits again. So I loved that they, they did that because then that makes it go back to feeling like it's an actual episode instead of a film. The only thing about the ending that I didn't care for really was, you know, the final scene, Jerry Lee, Jerry Lynn Smith, she's got the thing. 
she's the one um and you know she goes and gets on the bus but before she leaves she puts a little barrier down around the door mm-hmm. and then you see the bus stop again and there's a man in black and the first thing i thought was uh was it halloween five? Oh, okay right the man in black yeah that you but this you actually see this one and he says i'll get the next one yeah and you're like oh shit it's to be continued and yeah. then they never did yeah i would <laughs> I would like to say if they decided to continue this now, it would still work, you know, because Breaker told her she'd probably live several lifetimes, you know, and yes, she would be aged, which technically I think the character's not supposed to age, but I still think she could come back and do that bit. I don't think that she would, but I think it would be great. It would be a good opportunity to to bring that back and I think it'd be fun to... So the thing is, is that... Continue her story. We know that the the guardian or whatever they never give him a name mm-hmm. the uh, demon knight the demon knight yes okay i always thought that billy zane was the demon no knight. he's the collector um yeah i know i know that now <laughs> um you know that the demon knight can change and that mantle can pass mm-hmm. we know that there's more than one collector so because they ended it the way they did they really could just pick it up from there with different people and just like she died she killed the collector and she passed it on to this person i mean they right could, mm-hmm. they could change the whole thing and just introduce new characters as long as they stayed true to this original material right and just continue the story so that is good about that I, they'll never do it but i wish they would but I really they could. Wish they would. yeah yeah so i think we've nailed down that the story's i <laughs> anyway um so next i guess would be the acting how do you feel about the acting I think, like, you you do have a few big names in there. You do. But even with the lesser known actors, because there were a a couple, I feel like this is still an ensemble cast, and they all really did a good job. Like, there there wasn't a bad apple in the bunch as far as performances. I I mean, at least in my opinion. I mean, I, I, I hate to compare Billy Zane to Nicolas Cage, but I do get that kind of vibe from him where he was just kind of living his best life in this part and playing it over the top like he was just having a fucking blast. Well, you know, the interview that we saw with him in about this film, he kind of did. Yeah. He was having fun. A lot of the dialogue that he did was uh, imp- ad lib or improv, mm-hmm. whatever that is. Improvised. And... <laughs> Uh, no, I know what improv means. <laughs> and some of the gags, like when he spits the sponge out of his mouth, that was his idea. So yeah. yeah. He was just having fun with it. Yeah. But at the same time, I've, his acting was solid. He, yeah, it he was sell, so good. He sells being a complete psychopath. Yeah, because he had moments, I mean, apart from being funny, he had moments where he was charismatic and charming and suave. And then he had other moments where he could be kind of scary. When he tells you, this house is condemned. I love, I love, love, love that scene. Because you go from laughing and he, you know, almost slapstick. Yeah. And then he does it and you go, oh shit. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, it just got real. He's not, he's not smiling anymore. Yeah. He's what not fucking he around. What's he going to do? <laughs> yeah. And then he'll go right back into funny seamlessly. Yeah. And he does that throughout the whole film. Yeah. Like he, he, he just went from here to there to here to there. He was all over the place, but it was not in a bad way way yeah no i understand i I think you got a lot of his range in one film yeah i get the nicholas cage comparison because there there are films where he does that he goes from crying to laughing hysterically and Mm -hmm. then like scary screaming waving a gun around yeah so 
And I heard that he, he ended up getting the, the part of the antagonist in Titanic based off of this role, which is just amazing. Yeah. And you know what? I've seen Titanic and he was a complete asshole. <laughs> he was. Like you really hate him in that, mo- in that movie. Yeah. This, this film makes me not hate Billy Zane in Titanic at all. Like, I, I don't know. I, I hurt Aiden's feelings so bad because I said, you know what? I think that Billy Zane may have replaced Nick Cage for me as National Treasure. <laughs> Have you seen National Treasure? Oh my God, don't even get me started. Um, No, he just, now when I see him, and and especially after watching interviews with him now, he just seems like the most down-to-earth, humble, like really sweet guy. And after seeing that, I was just like, I feel like it's impossible to hate him. Plus Twin Peaks, he was in Twin Peaks, and I really adored his character (laughs) on there, so yeah. Yeah, um... But I guess if we move on to Breaker, Again, he does serious really well. Like, he does. It, the, the way he played this one made me think of him as, uh, oh, the executioner in the very first oh, episode yeah, of yeah, Tales yeah. from the Crypt. Yeah, yeah. Bill Sadler just, it's, just, it's the same thing. He just has this magnetism about him that you can't help but be sucked into whatever he's doing. He's very charismatic. Well, in the episode of Tales from the Crypt, he is, he's a lot, he reminds me sort of of... Uh, Shit. And in Glorious Bastards, the guy who plays the the main Nazi villain. Christoph Waltz? Yes. Where he is inappropriately funny, right? Like uh-huh. he says shit and you kind of giggle, but you know you're not supposed to. Right. He does that in that one. In this one, it's a straight, serious thing. And then like you move into the Bill and Ted realm, he's hilarious. Mm-hmm. So he can kind of cover it all. He just doesn't do it in this film. No. But this was the first film where I saw him as a badass. You know? Even though he really does doesn't do anything crazy over the top, like as far as fighting or weapons or anything like that. It's just something he exudes. You know, this is a weathered guy who's who's been through some shit and you get that vibe off of him immediately. You right. know, you can tell that he's lived several lifetimes. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I feel like Smith's performance was good. I thought she was great. She yeah. was she did a good job. Um I totally believe that Lowell was gonna give us all smallpox in the morning. Oh my god. Not everybody's ever... gonna get that reference. George the Jungle. <laughs> If you haven't seen that one with Brendan <laughs> Fraser and Thomas Hayden Church, you need to go watch it. Where have you been? <laughs> no, he... I would say now you guys said that telling people to touch grass is a bad thing. <laughs> go watch the damn movie. <laughs> It's hilarious. It's a kid's movie. It's hilarious. But I'm a child, so it doesn't matter. Yeah. He, it, it, okay. So I think, again, most of us who grew up in the 80s or 90s are familiar with the show Wings. So Thomas Hayden Church, that's the first thing I saw him in ever. And Same. he was very mild mannered, kind of simple minded, soft spoken, and yet hilarious character. He was very, very lovable. And everything, almost everything I have seen him in after that he's either an antagonist or just an asshole in general it's almost like he intentionally tried to distance himself from that character he possibly yeah he didn't get very far in this one though Mm -hmm. he's not very far from lowell in this one roaches kind of the same just meaner yes yeah he's still an idiot yeah and he's he's still funny he's just a mean idiot yeah he's just he doesn't doesn't says some really horrible shit yeah but yeah the thing is is that no matter what he's in i always like him yeah and i don't know why i I liked him as the sandman i hated the rest of that movie but i liked him (laughs) 
Well, he's he's a tremendous actor. He really is. He's another one I don't know that he is given as much credit as he yeah, should. Absolutely. Um, so other actress of note is CCH Pounder. Woman's just a badass in everything that she's in. Um, she's just great. She's won like several Emmys or mm-hmm. daytime Emmys mm-hmm. or whatever for she, her or Golden Globes. Whatever the award is you get for TV, she's got like a Emmys. closet full of them. So <laughs> yeah, and she, she should. She usually, I mean, to be fair, she usually kind of plays the same type of character and whatever she's in. And it's usually she take she's a no nonsense, badass chick. Yeah, you know? she's Amanda Waller. Yeah, I was thinking that too, oddly enough. I like, don't know why they didn't just cast her as Amanda Waller. Yeah. Actually, she voiced Amanda Waller in a cartoon, I think. Okay. Or a video game. Okay. I have no idea. <laughs> you know who Amanda Waller is though, right? Yes, okay. of course I do. <laughs> no, no, I just saw it in her, her uh, filmography or whatever that she had done voice work as Amanda Waller. And, I, and that's what I thought. Like, why didn't they just cast her? Right. It's not that the lady who played her did a bad job. She did a great job too. But I'm thinking, man, this woman has got it down. Yeah. Like, this must just be her natural. This is how she is. Like, you know, I'm tough and I'm not going to take any of your bullshit. <laughs> right. Yeah, exactly. So last but not least, Dick Miller. Man, the myth, the legend. I mean, I know when we discussed Gremlins a little while ago, I was talking shit about Mr. Futterman. I did not mean any disrespect at whatsoever to Dick Miller. The dude has been around forever and done so many things. And I mean, he's a, a brilliant character actor. So he's another one. Every time I pop up, I'm like, hey, it's Dick Miller. <laughs> yeah. And... The thing that strikes me, he's he's always sort of a supporting character. Mm-hmm. I don't think I've ever seen a movie where he played the lead. Right. Maybe I just haven't gone back far enough because his acting career covers some years. Um, he he was he was in the business for a really long time. I mean, he, of course he he had a life before that. He was in the navy. He was a middleweight boxer. All that stuff. I don't know if you knew that or not. I didn't. Um, That's cool. Yeah. I mean, he, he, he lived a life for sure, but he's been in tons of stuff. I just never saw him as a leading man, and I don't right. know why. I I feel like he probably could have carried a movie. I mean, I feel like he had the, the personality for it, but they always kind of cast him as, uh, was he in this one? Willie, mm-hmm. you know, where he's just kind of along for the ride. Yeah. Just kind of a, kind of a drunk. And Yeah. He's almost always a drunk. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but oh, he works. He's just one of those. It's like, um, it's like seeing a friend you didn't expect to show up. Right. Mm-hmm. He pop, he's on screen. You're like, Hey, yeah, it's that guy. All right. So, but yeah, so it was, it, I always enjoy it when he's in a film. So I know what you're dying to talk about effects. All right. Let me have it. Let you have it. Let me have it. I'm ready. <laughs> no, there's not, there's nothing to let you have. Uh, I think that the work done in this, in this film was, was great. Like the, like the first thing that I always notice is the birth of the demons. Like to me, that's the first big one, right? That's not the first special effect that happens obviously, but that's the first time in the movie where I'm like, wow, that's really amazing. You know, the way they sprout up from the ground and they're all oozy and gross, kind of like the birth of Frank and Hellraiser a little bit. But the, work that went into the actual demons like the movie's really darkly lit so you can't see exactly all of the detail that went into them but it is great they have all these little features about them like to their hairstyles their piercings like it's it's some really great work and these were I don't know why for the longest time I just thought these were puppets, I guess, because they're so thin. They're they're almost emaciated looking. And what it is is that those are actors with latex over them and prosthetics. And they did great, like really good job. You know, every, you I didn't realize that there was anybody apart from Doug Jones that did shit that's, like that. That's what I was just thinking. So they just found six people that all were the same size as Doug Jones. 
<laughs> right. And put him in a different suit. So about the detail, though, and, and it was in that, that documentary that we uh, we were watching. There were several people in there that said that the costumes were actually scarier in person than they were on screen mm-hmm. because of the level of detail. Apparently, these costumes were really, really good, and the, the movie actually doesn't do them justice. No, no, not at all. Originally, they had planned to put them in full body suits, but the budget would not allow for that. And so the guy went back to the drawing board and was like, okay, I can do prosthetic pieces on these guys. And they were like, cool, it's cheaper. Let's do that. And you, I wouldn't be able to tell, or I, I don't know that there would have been a difference. Honestly, I think that the prosthetic work is probably better than whatever suit they were going to come up with. Yeah. If they had done a full body suit, I think it probably would have looked like they were just wearing a bunch of foam. Right. But because there were pieces just on them, I think it allowed for more movement and more coming because they they slither almost. They have very fluid movements. Yeah. That's, it's, it's very creepy. That's what I was just thinking too. Is it, a lot of the, the acting from the stunt people that played the demons, I mean, they didn't talk. Uh, so the, it had to be through body language, really. Mm-hmm. Um, and the facial prosthetics were so heavy, there's not really room for facial expression either. Right. So there had to be something for them to convey something. Yeah. Um, and even the demons had a sense of humor. And they, yeah, they did. So I feel like, honestly, a full body suit probably would have been worse. I mm-hmm. mean, at that point, you end up with Batman that can't turn his head. Right. <laughs> he just has to turn his, his shoulders like every <laughs> single time. So no, oh, maybe it was unintended in the beginning, but it was a good, it was a good change. I feel like yeah. it's probably a positive change. Yeah. But the gore is also really great. Um, one of my favorite kills, which was the, um, the head punch of the sheriff at the, it's like the first kill in the movie is really, really phenomenal. The dummy head after the fact, not so much, but that first initial kill is really, really great. Um, I like, they did like these little subtle things throughout, like there's a scene where the collection talking to Cordelia and she's crying and he does this thing where he's reaching up to wipe a tear from her eye but of course he's on the ground she's up in the hotel but you can see the tear move away from her face and you can see a finger run over her lips even though there's not a finger there that that was a really cool thing um I love that there's a scene where a demon gets its eyeballs shot out and the eyeballs fly into the ground and they're twitching like there's so much of that shit that probably didn't cost them anything to do but it's so effective yeah i i got no complaints about the effects um some of the visual effects like when he pours the blood in a door jam Mm -hmm. it's neat Mm -hmm. there's something very masters the universe about it um i'm talking about the movie not the cartoon oh i know but Um, i'm still curious in what way do you mean i don't know it's it's just very All the lighting effects, your visual effects like that in the in the eighties and even the early nineties were all kind of cheesy looking. Mm-hmm. But it's done well enough that it doesn't ruin the film. Right. Uh, Uh, Same thing with the glowing demon eyes. You can tell it was added probably in what post-production or whatever. Yeah. Right. But it's fine. It's fine. Yeah. There's, I feel like, I I don't know exactly. You can tell sort of maybe what was done with the Crypt Keeper. Because this is the first time that we've ever seen him stand up and walk. Ever. Yeah. You can tell that it's something. It looks composited maybe a little bit. um, Or green screened. There's something there that's 
just a little bit off and you can tell. But at the same time, we got to see him get up and walk. Right. So that was really cool. I, I enjoyed that part of it. It reminded me of the Robert Zemeckis directed episodes where they would, like he had, there was an episode that's pretty famous because he had Humphrey Bogart in there and you're like, well, Humphrey Bogart's dead. It's basically everything he did in Forrest Gump to make these people that had long been dead be in a movie. And something about the Crypt Keeper walking like around and all that reminded me of Zemeckis's direction in those episodes. Yeah. So it was really, it was really cool to look at. Yeah. I think this is the only film, only time you get to see the Crypt Keeper stand up and walk. Mm-hmm. I think so too. So, but yeah, there was definitely something, you could, there was something off. There's something off about it. Didn't take me out of it. I just noticed it. And I was like, eh, I wonder how they did that because it doesn't look, mm-hmm. doesn't look quite right. <laughs> well, because for seven seasons, we had the Crypt Keeper just sitting in a chair, you know, and he would dangle his limbs and turn his head and blink and all that. Uh, basically everything that Kevin Yeager did so wonderfully about Chucky. And if, if you guys don't know this, the same eyeballs that the Crypt Keeper has are the same ones that were used for Chucky, which I, I think is pretty fucking amazing. So maybe that's the reason the Crypt Keeper is so small. <laughs> It's really Charles Lee Ray. No, he's a little bit taller than Chucky, but still. One of my favorite things was yeah, but always... Brad, no, Brad Dorff's not a tall guy, I don't think. Well, no, I just mean the doll. Like, No, no, I got you. <laughs> but um, no, one of my favorite things in the, in the series was all, always his little toes, you know, because he'd have his little feet dangling and you'd, he'd have his little fat toes. And I always thought that was the cutest thing. But yeah, being able to treat him as though he were a real living live person was just it was just cool yeah so we touched on it earlier the score for this film which really i don't know that what we're talking about and appreciating is the actual score because there's a score mm-hmm. what we're talking about is the soundtrack right well i figured we'd talk about both but... so that's the part that impressed me as far as the the score type background music didn't really notice it that often what got me was filter and pantera so since you noticed it you tell me about it <laughs> I thought that it was cool because it had this very almost sci-fi yet kind of old school universal horror type score to it. But it also felt very sci-fi at the same time. I don't know. It would it just felt big, I guess, to me. And may, maybe I guess you didn't notice it, but I thought it was pretty great. Yeah, I didn't. I didn't really know. Didn't really notice it. See, you're supposed <laughs> to pay attention to that stuff. Well, I mean, I heard it. It's just not one that if I heard it again, I'd be like, oh, yeah, that's the thing from Demon Knight. They don't have to have a theme. Honey. I know you that. Feel, yeah, but you always say that. You're always like, it didn't have a thing that was memorable, but they don't always have to have a theme. It's just the whoever composed it, I feel like they did a good yes. job. Yes. Because you got to a certain point, particularly in the late 90s, early 2000s, where starting with Scream, every score started to sound exactly the same and so what i loved about films from the 80s and early 90s was they tried they kind of you know tried to say what is the score trying to convey what is it trying to say and i love that it felt in the universe of tales from the crypt yeah it wasn't just sort of an afterthought yeah like it's too quiet here maybe we should put in some music yeah they actually tried to convey Maybe not emotion, but the same. What are, if the, if it was a tense scene, we need tense music. If it's a happy scene, we need happy music. They tried to fit it. I understand. I understand what you're saying. Yeah. Um, 
But really for me, I just hear, hey man, nice shot. And I think about this, I think about this movie and a car chase. Yes, it was used beautifully. I I will admit that yeah. because every time it comes on, I start singing it. So. Although when I hear, so the, the place where they decided to put in Pantera, Cemetery Gates, I don't necessarily agree with the scene that they were using in the foreground. You wouldn't have sex to Pantera? I mean, no, his nipples were smoking. <laughs> and, like, that's just not, I don't put those two things together in my brain. Right. I don't know. You'd think that, like, if you're going to have Pantera, yeah. especially Cemetery Gates, there's something badass happening, not him with a yeah. car battery hooked up to his nipples. Yeah, and we also have some Machine Head in there, and we have some Megadeth in there, so a b- bunch of bands that I'm a huge fan of. So, yeah, pre- pretty great soundtrack. I, yeah. So, what was your bet? What was your favorite scene, favorite kill, favorite line? Okay, so for me, that is what so much of this movie is, is is just the dialogue between the characters. So I had this list of favorite lines that I had in in the film because I couldn't limit myself to just one. (laughs) All right. So one of one of my favorite lines is is in the very beginning with the Crypt Keeper in John Larroquette. And he tells him, like, you call that hacking? And, and he says, you're no Gory Cooper. You're not even a Robert Dedford. Like, I, I love that bit so much. But in the movie movie, I think it starts with, there's a scene where Breaker is eating eating some dinner. And Cordelia is trying to proposition him. And she lays on top of the table. And the cat Cleo jumps up on the table at the same time. And trying to put the cat down. And Irene, or CCH Pound. Pounder's character comes in and she's like get that pussy off the table and Cordelia jumps off the table dude fucking sweet <laughs> it's fucking hilarious and then, and then Pounder says I meant the cat I meant the cat <laughs> but every time she does not get that pussy off the table she just jumps up it cracks me up so bad and of course like you just brought up my nipples are smoking um, I love that so much. Um, yeah, God damn. I think the rest of it from this point, maybe apart from uh, a roach line here or there, because Ro- roach has a couple of good ones. Like my favorite roach quote is, you know, this end of the world business, big fucking deal. I have hemorrhoids. I love that line. It, it makes me laugh every time. Um, but almost everything apart from that is a line from Billy Zane. Like starting with, like you said, where he's had enough of everybody shit he goes outside and after i'm not gonna take your line your favorite line away from you i won't do that even though you do it to me every time but yes i love the scene where he slices open his hand for the green blood to let out he says this property is hereby condemned i i don't know why that's probably my favorite line of the film so go ahead oh i I didn't talk about my favorite scene and favorite kill (laughs) oh favorite kill sorry not favorite scene favorite kill it's probably going to be that initial kill of the sheriff where he punches straight through his head and then like a monkey jar he can't get the head off of his hand it's it's stuck on him and then he says heads up and throws the head at the other guys so anyway okay go ahead i know you want to do it Nothing. You you were like, I was like, damn, you're just going to read the whole movie? <laughs> no, I just said um, I had a list. Favorite lines, plural. Oh, man. Um, so the one that, one of the ones that I think is just kind of hilarious is when they're talking about Cordelia's sheets. She said, you know, are my sheets done? And she was like, yeah. Uh, jo- I could jo- 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 Jolene, John Lane Smith. Oh, my God. Geraldine. Geraldine. It's a weird name. Geraldine's like, I couldn't get the stains out. And so automatically you're thinking... Well, she is a sex worker. It's it's those stains. 
It's a, it's like the blue dress. Um, and then she, she almost, it's almost a fourth wall break. She goes, damn guacamole. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I was not expecting guacamole. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, okay. I have two others. And the, the one is when they first, when they kick the collector out, when he's outside and he has a little hissy fit and he's like, fuck this cowboy shit. You fucking hoe down podunk. Well, them there motherfuckers. <laughs> <laughs> All you did do is give me the key. <laughs> yeah. He's just having a little fit. Yeah. It's that's hilarious. Um and then at the very end when he's trying to tell Geraldine. Geraldine. Geraldine Smith. When Jesus. he's trying to say I love you and he can't Yes, yes, I have that down too. He just can't do it. I, I yeah. You. You You think you can find it in your heart <laughs> to, to me? me? <laughs> and then I love it because she won't say anything because, you know, she's got that mouthful of blood and he's like, fuck it. <laughs> yeah. He's just going to he's just going to kill her anyway. Yeah. Oh, man. But the exchange also, I really one of my favorite scenes in the movie is where um, fuck. I was going to say lol now, too. Sorry, Roach, where Roach decides he's going to cut a deal and he's going to hand over the key. And he's like, do you care if I kill the others? And he's like, hey, makes you feel good. Do it. He's like, makes you feel good. Do it. <laughs> And then after that, uh, when Roach says, Vaya con Dios. And Vaya con Diablos to you too. Yeah. <laughs> but uh, then he turns that around and it's so cool. And then he's like, there's just one thing. I lied. I love that too. Like, ah, oh, I love it. I can't, again, I, I cannot praise him enough. Um, and then uh, there's a scene where I think it's where they maybe first put the blood on the things and he's all, come on, break for crying out loud. Yeah. he. So the first, but before that, you see a demon come up and touch it and they're like, oh, you know, it hurts uh-huh. or whatever. And then one of them, uh, the one that grabs Jerry uh-huh. and like one of them runs up and runs through it and it kills it. Right. The collector walks right into it, bounces off of it like Wiley Coyote style almost. Uh-huh. And he's, yeah, he's like, come on, man. <laughs> yeah. It's like it's just an inconvenience. Like it didn't hurt, and it did. Just, he's just like, I'm just tired of this shit. Just come on. Yeah. And I think that was that was pretty great. Yeah. Um, favorite kill. I feel like, I feel like most of the kills in this were meh. Yeah, I I will admit to that openly. They weren't the most creative or best kills out there. Mm-hmm. Even Breaker's death was a little anticlimactic. Like it wasn't. It's not like he went out. In you know, in a they live fist fight with the collector. Right. Um, he got killed by a little kid. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so it wasn't anything awesome. But I, I I'm gonna have to go with the head punch with the sheriff too. Yeah. That one it's like just, it it's sets good. the thing and then I don't know. Like when he gets his fist stuck in it and the head won't come off, it makes me think of all those cartoons where you see one of the characters step in a bucket and then they can't get it off their foot. Mm-hmm. It's like a monkey jar. Yeah, it was <laughs> It was great. Yeah, because the thing is, is, it's gory, but at the same time, it's funny, you know, because he's struggling with his head. So, yeah, it, it's, it's, I will say that it pretty much sets the tone for what type of movie this is going to be. Right. Now is it time for Loved and Hated? I guess so. Did I get everything in the right order this time? I guess so. So, I'll go first. Yeah, you go first for a change. So, Loved. Uh, Billy Zane. I love Billy Zane. I came out wrong. (laughs) Um, No, I love love the, the way all these characters were written or the way they were played. Maybe they weren't played the way they were written. And if that if if all of these characters just went completely 
sort of off the cuff and did their own thing. It worked. I I love the characters in this film. Um, I feel like the writing was solid. There wasn't. I don't have any complaints really about the writing. Um, it does slow down a little bit, but man, I just I really as far as hated, I have no complaints. I don't have any complaints about this film. I mean, yeah, it does slow down in the middle, but honestly, most films do. I mean, every movie's got a part where it kind of goes. Eh. You know, you sort of have to take a break. It can't just be a car chase for ninety minutes. So, how about you? loved i'm 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 right there with you billy zane billy zane billy zane billy zane like that's that really is one of those performances to write home about and i've i've already talked about what is so great about that performance so i won't go into it again but i felt overall he is what sold this movie it it is such a good time it's so fun it just feels like a very old school monster movie even though it's demons it just feels like a classic monster movie it gives the those vibes. It very much gives a feeling of nostalgia for me of that kind of staying up late to watch this episode because you're going to get to see some gore. You're going to get to see some monsters. You're going to get to see some titties and you get to hear the Crypt Keeper make puns. You know, it like again, it just encapsulates everything that was so great about that series. Um, as far as hated... For me, it's a pacing issue, for one. Um, I know you say that it slows down in one point, but I feel like it slows, slows down in multiple points. I feel like it's very up and down a lot. So for for me, that would be one. Another is that I do kind of wish it had been lit better. I feel like the lighting could have been brought up a little bit just so we could have gotten to see more of that detail from those demons. But as far as everything else, I think it's great. I mean, we didn't we haven't really talked about the ending necessarily, but I love again that they brought around brought the wrapper around sections into this because that I love at the end where Crypt Keeper is going to his big screamer and he's out with, with his big boobied models and he's all hello hello you know it's it's very very adorable um and then he makes the pun you know I asked for final cut and I got it like again so much to love but if I I just feel like the pacing could have been cleaned up a little bit made tighter there are a couple of scenes that kind of drag out maybe a little longer than they need to like spending so much time in the mine and stuff like that or just kind of sitting around talking they could have been tightened up just a little bit but other than that it's it's a great film and i really don't think it gets the love it deserves especially for tales from the crypt so final thoughts mary fucker kill you mean (laughs) yeah we didn't change the board then (laughs) we said that last i'm I'm as bad as like a a weather person like if you if it if it pops up on the teleprompter i'm just gonna say it i will ron burgundy myself (laughs) go fuck yourself san diego go fuck yourself san diego (laughs) so we gotta change change the board so honey marry fuck or kill i'll marry it demonite i'll marry demon knight okay yeah i didn't even hesitate i know wow this is like what three in a row from you no i did not i didn't marry the last one you did you not what did we do last week oh we did toxie yeah we fucked toxie that's that sounded bad (laughs) yes it did um this is also a mary for me too like this is one that i watched 
pretty damn often because I love it so much. It's one where I feel like I can put it on anytime. Like it's one of those, it doesn't matter what you're doing. If I want to turn it into a theatrical experience, I'll turn all the lights out, get in that kind of Tales from the Crypt mode. But it's also one that it's like, if I'm just kind of buzzing around the house, doing, doing my little nitpicky shit, folding my laundry, I can have it going in the background and sit there quoting it while I'm folding towels. I'll put the shit on to go to sleep. Like it's, it, it works so well for me that it's one that I keep in regular rotation. Yeah. For me, I think what's the reason I know that it's a, it's a Mary movie is because I've seen this movie several times. Mm -hmm. It's still funny mm -hmm. and I, it still engages me when we sit down to watch it. Mm -hmm. Most movies don't do that. Like I'm, I'm only good for a certain number of watches and then I'm like, seen it and I'm, I'm just, I'm out, right? You got to put a lot of distance in between watches for me. But not this one. Not necessarily. Yeah. It's good every time. So. So, honey, what are you picking for next week? All right. So I changed my... We're going to rock, paper, scissors for it. You ready? Oh, okay. All right. We're how did, scissoring. How did we both do that at the same time? Ready? This is what always happens in rock, right. paper, scissors. God damn it. <laughs> so now we're both rock. Ah, uh, you win. All right. Class of Newcomb High. Oh, okay. So, so we're doing if, another trauma. If I won, it was Class of Newcomb High. If you won, it was going to be Willie's Wonderland. Oh, I couldn't, thank God you won. I couldn't choose between the two. Oh, thank God you won. I was just, I was going to be like, uh, am I going to have to kill a movie for the first time on this show? Because I would feel so bad. Well, shit, now I know what my next pick's going to be. <laughs> I want to see that shit happen. <laughs> You're not going to get a kill from me very often, but that's, yeah. <laughs> that movie's great. It's okay. It's, it's great. It's just okay. And no. Yes. <laughs> it's Five Nights at Freddy's with Nicolas Cage in it. <laughs> it's just okay for me. Oh. <laughs> and if you enjoyed listening to this episode talking about this particular film and you want some more Tales from the Crypt in your life, we urge you to consider pledging to our Patreon so you can get the monthly show where we break down every episode of the show, all seven seasons, every single episode, even the shitty British season. We'll, we're making it around to it. So we will see you next week with Class of Newcomb High. But until then, you've been listening to Dead and Married. I'm Ashley. And I'm Travis. Take care, guys. Bye. What would you do to save the life of a teenage boy? If you subscribe to our Patreon for just 3 to $10 a month, you can get Aiden out of the industrial-sized hamster wheel we use to power our show. <laughs> for that, you'll get access to bonus content and allow me to remove Aiden's handcuffs. He doesn't run worth a ship with them on anyway. Also be sure to show your support on our social media pages. You can find us on Twitter as TravisL80 and SpookyMom83. Thank you for your consideration. <laughs>